All right, round two on Saturday. Okay, um, when we left uh, before the break, I gave you guys a machine gun <laughs> message in what, nine minutes? Is that what that was? Was that a lot of information, just like bullet pack, pow, right? Nancy, you want me to repeat that again? What she doesn't know is I could. And I could add a little bit more to it. Um, I do like that story in its long version, but really it was a great timing to put that in because what I wanted you to see was that emotional shift did for me in an instant, in a twinkling of an eye, that I could not do in 30 years of working with my hands. Isn't that wild? So let me show you what working with my hands did for me. I'm going to give you a little bit of my Christian life um, so that you can see how powerful to have a twinkling of an eye, suddenly transformation that actually can happen without it having to be like one day far in the future where you can say, Father, meet me here in this moment and change me. Search me and find the wicked or twisted ways. See, the word wicked is the same as wicker basket. It means where something's been twisted. And when it's twisted, you can't see it clearly, right? Um, so when you can actually go there just before the Lord, and He will transform that part of your brain in an instant, in a twinkling of an eye. Nancy's watched me do this over and over and over again. And over 400 people last year, maybe four or five, did not get a shift. How can we work with that many people and have their lives so transformed? And what was it about? What was the common denominator in the few people that not, did not get transformation? The hardest ones to work with. Now, I'm just going to be plain with you. So hold on so you don't fall out your chair. The hardest people to reach were people just like me. Those who had studied and knew the Word of God. I could quote you chapter and verse. I can quote you book now in some chapter. But back in the day, I could just spit out chapter and verse. New scriptures so well. Why it's gone right now, I don't know. Sometimes it comes back to me and I can quote you. But back in the day, it was just like spot on. And... I did everything every leader ever asked me to do. Why did I do that? Why was I so adamant about my actions as a Christian? Being born number five out of six kids, you watch other siblings get in trouble. And you get the benefit of learning what they did to get in trouble, so you figure out not to do those things. So you become a tattletale. And then when you're a tattletale and you have older sisters that want to do things and you tattle on them, they don't include you and they don't tell you why. So you just don't know. You just think you're rejected. Well, really, they don't want you around so they don't get in trouble. Right? Because I became a goody two-shoes. I was the one who... Look, if Mama said clean the kitchen, I cleaned the kitchen and everything else I could get my hands on because then that would not, that would keep me out of trouble and getting out of trouble meant I was loved. 
Now, did my mama not love on me if I didn't clean the kitchen and stuff? Absolutely not. My mom rocked me. She read me stories. I cooked with her from the time I could stand on a chair and cook with her. She taught me how to do checkbook. She made games out of everything. Remember I told you about the multiplication, how she sat me down and we drew stories out and little trips to the store. And she made it fun for me to learn. So I'm not talking about growing up with a mom and a dad and siblings that hated me. I'm talking about being number five out of six who was seen by her older sisters at times as a punk, as the one who's tattletale, as the one who we can't do fun stuff when you're around. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean they didn't love me. They do love me. I love them. So let's not misinterpret when I tell you my twisted thinking. Okay, but here's my twisted thinking. I don't fit. I'm not loved. I need to do things to get loved. And if I do all these right things that they want me to do, then they'll let me come along. Then they'll let me fit in. Then I'll be accepted. That's called a subconscious belief. So because I believed that, even after I got saved, I did not know because it's subconscious. I did not know that doing all these things carried into my relationship with Christ, with my husband, with my teachers, with my boss. It didn't matter what arena I was in. I was still trying to get love out of being good. Now, if you would have asked me, Angela, what is it that made you righteous? I would say the blood of Jesus. And that there is none righteous except through the blood of Jesus. I could have answered you scripturally and fully persuaded right here that, that I was not saved by works. But I was saved by grace of God. So I knew intellectually and believed it 100% intellectually that I was loved of God. But there was a subconscious belief inside of me that I wasn't loved I was rejected, which means I am rejected. I am not loved. I don't fit, which means I am separated. I'm not a part of the body. What body? Anybody. So I became, teacher, teacher, pick me. Pick, I know the answer, teacher, pick me. Because if I know the answer and you pick me, then you will see that I'm good and you will like me. Right? And anytime anyone needed anything done, oh, I'll do that for you. I became a servant. I will cook for you. I will rub your feet. I will rub your back. I will clean your room. I will help you scrub the floor. I will help you with your homework. I will come to your house and I will make sure that you don't get in trouble because you always get in trouble with your mom or your dad. So I'll come help you be good. I'll show you how to be good. And then I'll be on the, on the 4-H and then I'll be on the beta club and then I'll, I'll be a basketball player and I'll be a cheerleader. And not only will I be a basketball player, but I want to be point guard. And I wasn't always captain, but sometimes I got to be co-captain. Why? Because that equated love in my subconscious brain. It equated acceptance. That carried over into my marriage and into my jobs. Every job that I had, I excelled in. We call that overachiever. 
Or to some people, she's a gold mine, keep her. Right? Because I could, I could do well. I could sell ice cream to an Eskimo. Why? Because I wouldn't sell you anything unless I believed in it. And if I believed in it, I believed in it all the way. When I went to work for one of my best bosses ever, my State Farm agent, um, I told him if, uh, actually I was working for a doctor, and the doctor that I worked for fired two people and kept me and gave me both their jobs but didn't give me a raise. And I said, wait a minute, you said after so many months you would give me a raise. Not only did you not give me a raise, you doubled, you tripled my work actually, and you didn't give me a raise. Well, that's because we're having hard times. And I thought, oh, no, no, you think you're having hard times. <laughs> you wait till I'm gone, and I don't tell you I'm going. <laughs> so I started looking for a job, and I couldn't find one. I mean, I looked and looked and looked and looked, and finally there was a job for State Farm, and I call up, and they said, well, why should we hire you? And I said, well... My boss just fired two other people so that they didn't have to pay those two and I can do the job of all three. What makes you think you're good in sales? Well, if I can sell you on me and how good I am, then tell me something I can't sell. Now, I had never heard any of that. I just like right out my mouth. Well, I had an interview like that, got hired like that, and I became the top, or in the top five salespeople in all of our district, and in all the meetings where everybody would get their little notification like you get to stand up and wave. <laughs> that was my notification. I got to stand up and get approval. And approval meant I was valuable. So there must have been an underlying message somewhere inside of me that you're not valuable unless you measure up. So whatever I did, no matter how well I did it, I couldn't get my dreams to come true. I could get a lot that would look like it would bring my dreams to me, but I couldn't get my dream. What was my dream? To work with the wounded. So I worked really, really hard and I volunteered. And I worked really, really hard and I volunteered. Because my true happiness came when I could find someone who was a broken little puppy and fix them and bring them home. Well, that's not healthy either because I'm not Savior. I got my self-worth out of finding someone who needed help. Now, that's a very tricky place when you're called into the kingdom of God as a minister because that looks good, sounds good, doesn't it? But not if that's where you're getting your value from. Not only that, to put a price on ministry made me feel sticky and icky and ew. So then that, what that did was I had to work for money over here, but then I then had to sacrifice something over here to give to the broken people that I saw. Why do you think I had so much compassion on the broken? Because I are one. See, when you've been rejected and broken and you feel separated and you see someone else rejected, broken, and separated, this thing called compassion says, oh, I know what that feels like. Here, let me get you out. Now, compassion is a great gift that comes out of sorrow and suffering. 
But if you're doing it out of getting love rather than because you are loved, there, that's messed up. And that's me. That's what I look like. And I didn't know it. And if you would have told me that face to face, I would have said, you are not. You don't know me. You just think you know me. But here was an evidence against me that began to unveil that. More than one person began to be honest with me and tell me that they never felt loved when they were around me. They felt judged and intimidated and less than and insecure and like they could never measure up to me. And every time a person would be vulnerable and tell me that, I would go lay on my face and I would weep and I'd say, God, but I do love them. This isn't fair. This isn't fair. I don't want to intimidate them. Father, you know I love the broken. Why don't they feel loved around me? You know how long it took me to get that answer? Not until my daughter was grown. 18 years old. I gave birth to her when I was 27. And she said, Mom, I just never feel like I can measure up. I said, but Rebecca, that's not fair. I never made you make perfect grades. I didn't try to, to get you to be straight A's. I, I never made you join anything and stick with it. I never made you do everything right so you'd be loved. I, as a matter of fact, I went overboard to make sure that you did not feel like you had to be perfect to measure up. I, what did I do? She said, Mom, I don't know how to explain it. You did everything right. You said everything right. But I just kept feeling like it. So you believe what you feel. Why? Because it's a frequency. It's a vibration that is not done in just words. It's done in how I feel. So what happened when God began to reveal to me what was going on is I felt unloved unless I was perfect. Let me show you the degree that I went to. I had white floors in my home. Cream colored couch. Why? Stainless steel sink. Why? So if there was a speck of dirt on my floor, I could see it before you did. So I could quickly get it up before you could see it because if you saw it, you wouldn't love me. And every night before I went to bed, oh, I would go tuck my children in. I'd go lay with my husband until he fell asleep, but I'd get right back up. There was not a dirty spoon. Not a dirty rag, not a dirty sock, not a speck on my floor. My toilets were clean. My bathtub was clean. My pictures were straight on my wall. Little OCD. No, lot OCD. Lot, big OCD. Oh, I can't do it. Right? Isn't that what it is? No, that's not it? See, no matter what I did, it was never good enough for me. It was never, yeah. I should say OCDI. I'm slow. Yeah, me too. Took me a long time to figure out that didn't work. 
So this is one of the things that I do to show people that I don't have to measure you to make you feel less than me. Nancy, you want to assist me? Yeah? Um, let's see. May I use your pen? Um, Nancy, can we just make an agreement together that let's just be like accountability partners. Would that be good? Sure. And so what I'll do is I'll judge you and me, and then I'll give you permission to judge you and me, and we'll just help each other judge each other so we can be accountable in Christ. We want to do that? Okay. All right, so go ahead and hold your hand out for me. Oh, man, mine's shorter than yours. We can't judge them. No. We can judge each other, though. We'll just, get, we'll just do this together. Let's, let's see. We cannot, we can't do this to them, can we? No, we can't do that, can we? No, we won't. We won't do that. We'll okay. just, just, we'll just, yeah. can I see your foot? Can I see your foot? Put it, put it up here so I can reach it. Yeah, just put it all the way up there so I can reach it. Okay, I'll put mine beside you. Sure. Ah. <laughs> yeah, mine's a little bit bigger. A little bit. I was getting worried there for a minute. <laughs> Thank you, sister. <laughs> oh my gosh. You made me feel so good today. Thanks. You're welcome. Wow, I can finally measure up to someone. Um, I we won't I'm not your accountability partner, so I won't I won't measure you guys. Will we, Nancy? What did you learn from that? It's not possible for me to measure myself and not measure you. It's not possible. So why did my daughter and people that I dearly loved and appreciated and spent time with and would do anything for, why did they feel like they couldn't measure up? Because they could sense that I was measuring me. And it's not possible for me to measure me and not measure you. That's a lie. So me and my daughter spent lots of time weeping together, asking God to heal that in both of us so that I wouldn't measure myself by whether I'm good or evil or right or wrong or doing things right. Do you know how hard that is when you've lived your whole life? Guess what? You can't persuade yourself out of it. You can't rebuke yourself out of it. You can't decree yourself out of it. You can't prophesy yourself out of it. You can't get out of it unless the revelatory word of God switches something in your limbic brain where that chain link captivity is. That's how it gets changed. So for my entire adult life, I worked hard, made good money, was seen as a pillar in the community, well-respected, counselor, volunteer, businesswoman. I dare say I was probably the best businesswoman in my town. I made more than your average doctor. 
Why was I not fulfilled? Why couldn't I make my dreams come true? Because I didn't believe I was loved. Not in my diencephalon. Why? Because I died inside myself alone. Diencephalon. Limbic brain. It's a medical term for it. Diencephalon. Die in self alone. It was not good that Adam be alone. I asked God. I said, God, that makes no sense that it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. He wasn't alone. How could you say that? Why did you say he was alone? He was with you. If he's with God, can you be alone? He said, he's look at the word, all one. It's not good that Adam be all one. And it's not good that Adam perceive that he's all one. I'm like, no way. That's what that means. God, are you, am I hearing you? But see, that was the truth because he wasn't alone. Eve was already with him. Father was with him. Mother was with him. And Christ was with him. You know that to be true. Go study the scriptures. So how could he say that? See, Adam perceived he was alone. So God took Eve out and said, See, you're not alone. So then because Adam could see that, he reached outside of himself to fulfill himself and began to uh, listen to the whispers of his wife because he could see and touch her. But guess what? We can't see and touch God, can we? Guess what you and I are still doing? Looking outside of ourselves for someone to approve of us so we will believe that we are loved. Remember what Jesus said? I know that you have need of man's approval. But here's your answer, my friends. When you see that Father will never reject you, you don't need man's approval anymore. It doesn't mean that you don't care or love your mother, your brother, your sister, your husband, your pastor, your leaders. It doesn't mean that at all. But what it means is when you hear it in the ear, you will shout it on the rooftop. Even if all reject you and call you Beelzebub, deny you and scatter and leave you. If it costs you your life. Remember the man I told you that I was crying with my legs on the floor because I felt his healing in my body and I begged them and they wouldn't let me what the Lord told me? You could have crawled. Your arms were. You could have crawled. Your arms worked. You know the army thing? <clears throat> Bet you if I was on a battlefield and I saw somebody I loved dying and all I had was my arms, I'd have crawled, wouldn't I? So what stopped me that day? Man's approval. I know that you have need of man's approval. But my father shall never reject me. See, it cost me a lot to come to that realization. It didn't just cost me. It cost that man. I wept for three weeks. I would go to put food in my mouth and I felt like I had to vomit. Why? Because I could see his feet crippled before me. Do you know what it means to fast? Somebody know what it means to fast? If, you, if I've taught you this, please don't answer. 
But have you ever read in the scriptures, anyone, has it been unveiled what it means to fast? Raise your hand if you, if you know. Good, I'm glad you don't know. I'm going to tell you what Jesus said. It's going to sound like, again, remember, I know that you have need of man's approval, but my father shall never reject me. That sounds like two different topics, right? It's going to sound like it again when I quote it to you. Well, Jesus, uh, how come you and your buddies there, y'all don't do what we do? We fast and we pray and we do all this stuff. How come y'all don't do it? I mean, how come we don't fast like you? Well, because the groom is still here with the friends of the groom. But when the groom is taken, then they shall mourn. Now, why did he use those words interchangeably? You ever wonder why breakfast is in the morning? Because to mourn means to be so broken, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, that you cannot eat. That the taste of food in your mouth makes you want to vomit because you're so broken over your condition and the condition of mankind. It does not mean, let me not eat so God will hear me. That's a shadow of things to come. This kind only comes out by way of prayer and fasting. This kind only comes out by way of brokenness. Of sorrow and suffering and mourning. Whether you realize it or not, I'm still talking about the diencephalon, brain, amygdala, hypothalamus, chain link protein. That is what it means to heal. It's not that you don't put something in your body so that you can suffer by not eating so God will feel sorry for you or that it's a bribe or a trade. Now see, that's not nice for me to say, is it? Nor is it easy because see, there's a part of me that says, don't say that, they won't like you. There's another part of me that says, it doesn't matter if they don't like you, love them. Tell them the truth, even if they don't like it. Am I against fasting from the Old Testament? Absolutely not. It's a shadow of things to come. To be against it would be the same as if you walked in and saw me fighting a shadow on the wall. Do you know that the law and the testament are shadows of things to come? Are you aware of that scripture? Are you aware that that first covenant is passing away? That means dying. Why? Because it came as a seed to go into the ground, which is your heart, and die so that it could bring forth much fruit. Did you know that the law and the prophets hang on two, on two commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two hang all the law. What does that mean? It means when you see that you are loved by the Father and you can't help it and love flows out of you like a river, the law will look like it's, it's dead already. If that which is passing away had so much light that they could not look upon Moses' face 
That's how glorious it was. When you see the glory of Christ and the love of God, against such there is no law, when you see that, it's going to look like that law that you trusted in before. It's going to look like darkness. That's what it's going to appear as. That means something you won't rely on. See, I was relying on my knowledge of good and evil and my knowledge of the Word of God and my knowledge of all the things that I was supposed to be doing so that I could get loved. That is death. That doesn't produce anything. Remember I told you when you do and do and do and do, you get (laughs) do-do. It becomes a duty. There's a throne for that, but it's not in the Holy of Holies. Right? It's duty. It stinks in the nostrils of God. It should stink because it's a waste of your time (laughs) and your energy. And you will get so sick and tired of it that eventually you'll come unto Him because why? You are labored and heavy laden and you just need rest. See, the law came to wear you out. You ever got in trouble saying, I'm going to wear you out? Well, God don't wear you out like, bah, 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 bah. He says, go ahead, stomp your feet for three measures of time and then you'll, then you'll return. Go ahead, from bloody mud you came and from dust, dry dust, you'll return back to me. Y'all remember these scriptures? Genesis was one of those. The other one was, um, it was also in Genesis whenever Moses was in the wilderness and after the second time he went back to God and, they, and, and God said, uh, uh, um, you know, go tell them I just want them to hear me intelligently. And they said, no, 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 just tell us what to do. And then Moses went back and said, they just want to know what to do. And he said, no, go tell them hear me intelligently. I delivered them before and I'll deliver them again. Okay, God. Okay, y'all, God just wants to have a relationship. He just wants you to hear him. He'll be your deliverer. You don't have to do anything. No, no, no. Go tell him what, tell us what to do. And God said, don't come near the mountain. Don't touch it, at least you die. Husbands, you ought to understand that real good. You ever told your wife, just tell me what to do. Tell me what to say. And she says, don't touch this. You can't touch this. At least you die. <laughs> right? That's how we are as women. So you think we're giving you the cold shoulder. You think we're manipulating. You know we have the same heart of Father. We don't want a bribe. God won't take a bribe. So after Moses does that twice, he says, Go ahead, Moses. Tell them to stomp their feet for three measures of time. Go read it. It means picture fit. Have it your way, Burger King. <laughs> Creating your little calf in the woods out of gold. Try to eat that. Where's the beef? <laughs> See, it's Jesus is king, not Burger King. Do you know what calf means? It means work of your hand. It means one who works with the hands. It means a cattleman. How cool is that? Have you ever wondered, like, of all the things they created in the... Well, shouldn't they have created something pretty like a peacock? You know, an eagle, a lion, but a, a cow? Like, why would they make a cow? Have you ever ever been in a barn? Have you ever been in a dairy barn? I went in a dairy barn. My sisters have a dairy barn. 
And I tried to breathe, and I couldn't. <laughs> so I gagged, and I decided I'd open my mouth, but I decided I didn't like flies. So then I gagged and spit, because I didn't want to swallow the fly. And then I ran out. And I said, how do y'all do that? That is horrible. I said, that's the grossest smell ever. They said, no, that smells like money. I'm like, keep your money. <laughs> God, it's horrible. I couldn't drink milk from their house anymore because it smelled like the barn from then on. Like it was just in my nose. That's what they built was the work of their hands. Some of you heard me say this earlier, so if you heard it, don't raise your hand or don't answer. But anybody in here um, who can be patient for a little while, would you raise your hand for me? Oh, don't lie. So I need to be patient for a little while. How many can be kind for a little bit to the right people? Okay. How many people can um, be gentle, self-control? So, yeah, we, you, you could do that, can't you? <laughs> Guess what that is? Fruit. So those of you who raised your hand, I'd like for you to bring me an apple that you made or an orange that you made or a pumpkin that you made because if you can make eternal fruit that's heavenly by the way of the Holy Ghost, surely you could make me a piece of earthly fruit. See how weird that is? I tricked you, didn't I? But why did I trick you? To, make, to show you that you think you could do it. How did I know you thought that? Because so did I. I was sitting in the floor with my daughter one day because from the time she could stand up, even if it was pulling up on something, she emptied every drawer she got her hands on. She tried every piece of clothes on, including she'd put like underwear on her head, socks on her hands. I'm talking like 14 months old, 10 months old. She was like putting clothes on and every time I would get my hands on this child, every piece of clothes I had ever folded ever was on the floor. Every day. I was like, my God, I'm going to have to put her clothes in the, in the attic. She would climb. I would put them up on a shelf, she'd climb. And still get the clothes down and get on the floor and just... Put them on. I figured she's going to own Vogue one day or something. <laughs> so every day I would have a little bit of patience. And then I would wear out. My patience would end. And then when this intimacy thing began to happen with me and God, an intimate relationship and the perfection thing began to be unveiled to me, one day we were sitting in the floor, I walked in her room, and the, I'm telling you, it was wall-to-wall clothes. I was like, oh, Jesus, will this ever end? No, was the answer. I went and sat down with her on the floor. And patience oozed out of me. And Rebecca was like, Mom, um, you're not mad at me? I'm like, no, baby. I don't like this, and we need to figure something out, but I'm not mad. See, a few weeks before, I screamed at her, and I said, I've had enough! I don't have any patience left! And she said, but Mom, I'm little. I was just playing. Her lip curled down. <laughs> 
And she'd been doing it since before she could really walk good, 10 months old. Not only did she do it there, but you know what she did in my kitchen cabinet? <laughs> she wore every pot, bowl, spoon, anything that could fit on her little head or her hands or foot or knees. She'd be on the floor and have a spoon here and a cup here and something here and something here and she'd be like this, smiling, putting it, putting it on her feet, trying to put it on me. It never stopped, but my patience, the one that I created made out of wood and hay and stubble and wax and soap and whatever else I could carve it out of, never satisfied, never lasted. But the day that I was patient with her, we both noticed it. She said, Mama, what happened? I said, baby, this is God. This isn't me. I've never done this before. She's like, I know. Normally I'm in trouble. Do you know after that, we didn't have any problem with clothes? Isn't that weird? God did what I couldn't do through all my self-mustard patience. You ever seen what the color of mustard looks like? <laughs> when my daughter moved home this year, her dad went to help her move her furniture and she came home and she whispered to me, she said, Mama, what'd you do to Daddy? I said, what are you talking about, baby? She said, Mama, everything that could go wrong today went wrong. She said, I lost my cool and Daddy was nice. <laughs> what did you do to him? I said, baby, I didn't do that. I can't make fruit. I tried. I told her, Daddy, and his eyes filled with tears. He'll be 53 next month. It took him that long before he would let God break his heart. How long are you going to wait? How many people that you love will you run out of patience? How many times will you snap or yell or scream or lose it because you held it as long as you could and you just couldn't take it anymore and then you exploded with diarrhea of the mouth because you couldn't hold your doo-doo anymore. <laughs> right? Isn't that... Am I just being real with you? Yeah. Is this refreshing to you guys that I could just be this real? I don't need to worry about having my Christianese on. Right? Are you happy with that? Good. Because I got so sick and tired of it myself. Yeah, it was fake. It wasn't me. Just like Oprah said, I can do Barbara Wawa. That's what my husband calls her, Barbara Wawa. <laughs> she said Barbara Walters, but I think Barbara Wawa sounds better and funner, so I say Barbara Wawa. Oprah said, I, can't, I can do Barbara Wawa pretty good, but I'm way better at being Oprah. Do you know the story of how she did what she did? Man, Oprah's story, if you've never read or seen her story, you ought to go read it. Some people don't like her because they think she's like they're too far for the new age. We're so quick to judge, aren't we? She's, she is reaching more people than you can shake a stick at because she's loving them. If I could unveil all mysteries... If I could speak to you in every English language and the language of angels 
And if I gave my body to be burned, but I don't love you, just pull out your gun and put a bullet through my head, please. Save yourself and me the trouble. Oh, that's not what it says. It says clinging brass. Sorry about that. What's my point? That means I'm useless. All that other stuff is useless. How many times have you been with someone who's doing all the right things, but you don't feel love? You felt like I made my family, my loved ones feel judged and less than and intimidated, like you could never measure up. See, that doesn't come from a spirit of love. That comes from an attitude of trying to get loved. Y'all, we need to wake up. So how do we do that? How do we wake up? How do we get that change? I'm going to give you real life example, a little bit more of my story that we, that we ended on as we were leaving to go to lunch. When I was...